You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 86, Talk About Equity Within the Wedding Industry with Erica Corday. Erica Corday has dedicated her life to expanding how others interact with the world through powerful conversations. As an entrepreneur and certified coach, her work is focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, imperfect allyship, and imposter syndrome. This work has taken her into communities and onto national stages. As a speaker and educator at noteworthy industry events like Alt Summit, She Podcasts Live, and Bean Boss. Erica is also the owner of an inclusive beauty salon, Silver Immersion, and the host of Pause on the Play, a podcast that features open dialogue on topics like company culture, visibility, and mindset. Erica is here today to talk to us about all of this. And before we start, she's got a free gift for you. Erica has an Imperfect Allies Evaluation Checklist, which I can't recommend enough. Go to ericacorday.com forward slash checklist or check out our show notes for that link. Now, grab your coffee, grab your tea, because we have a lot to unpack today, friends. Let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey, guess what? It's time for another Book More Weddings Summit. Y'all, if you listen to this show at all, you know that we love the Book More Weddings Summit. We have been involved in probably every single one of them at this point. But we are bringing you one more Book More Wedding Summit, and it's the perfect time to dive in before your schedules get crazy with weddings. Look, I know you want to attract more of your ideal clients and book more weddings so you can be more profitable and grow your wedding biz. So you might be feeling a little stuck. You might be getting a lot of inquiries that don't pan out. I want you to come to the summit because the goal for this summit is different than most summits. You're going to learn how to book more weddings without it feeling like you're pulling teeth, and you'll learn from so many amazing experts. This event is specifically crafted for our wedding industry because we have different needs than other industries. We don't get a lot of repeat clients. We're selling luxury products, and we're selling services to people who are brand new at buying what we're selling. For five days, May 17th through 21st, Heidi Thompson of Evolve Your Wedding Business is bringing you presentations from over 25 industry experts who have found ways to attract more ideal clients and book more weddings. You'll learn about everything from how to warm up your leads for a hot booking season, how to use Instagram to attract leads, Facebook, Google ads, and so much more. For example, I'm talking about Clubhouse, how to utilize Clubhouse to the best of your ability. And if you're not already on Clubhouse, y'all, get on Clubhouse. The best part of the summit is that it is totally free. So join me and some of my amazing educator friends like Alaya Harris, Bethel Nathan, Ashley Ebert, and we'll see you at the summit. You can get your free ticket at reneedallow.com forward slash book more weddings. That's reneedallow.com forward slash book more weddings. Sign up today and I will see you there. Now on with the show. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. Where else did you think I would be? This is me in your ear every week. This week, I am joined by the lovely and talented Erica Corday. Erica, how are you? I am great, Renee. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm good. All things considered, like, 
I'm okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. We are recording this way before you hear it, listeners. And so I can say with uh, with complete confidence right now, by the time you listen to this, I will be vaccinated. But right now I'm only half vaccinated. <laughs> I'm only half safe. What about you, Erica? I am still trying to find a place to get vaccinated because here it has not been it has not been the easiest thing to do. However, we've gotten enough of the, um, I want to say more at risk population. Yes. Ones. So I'm like, can I get in line now, please? Thank you. Yes. It, it was also difficult in here in Los Angeles. I had to drive two hours to Bakersfield oh to gosh. get it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who live in LA. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> a lot of people. And I have some travel upcoming. Again, by the time you listen to this, I will already have traveled, but it's family travel and I can't not go. So uh, I we just we did a little digging and, and I actually do qualify for the uh, the first wave there. So we we made it happen. And I I've never been more grateful to get a shot in my life. I was like, please, please give me the shot. <laughs> um, right. I'm not, I'm not a needle. I don't have a thing with needles. That's not my thing. I'm afraid of heights. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they did not give me the shot on the top of a skyscraper. That would have been a different story. Wouldn't no, have done you. it. No, thank you. I'm good. I would have been like, I'm okay. I'll check my chances. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why we're here today. That's not what I mean, we can talk about that all we want. But we are here to talk about, you know, something that's been on Oh God, it's been on the tip of our tongues, front of our minds for the past year, but really it should have been on the tip of our tongues and top of our minds the whole time we've been in the wedding industry. Um, we're talking about, you know, just diversity, equity within the wedding industry and, and just your story and what you did to combat that. Yeah. There's, and that's such a layered thing. And <laughs> I know it's like, um, how much of the onion do we want to peel back today? Right. And right. the reality is, is when you mention diversity, when you mention equity and the unfortunate part is the inclusion part is the part that I almost feel like is, is the piece that's so lacking that you almost even forget the fact that it's not there because it's like, oh yeah, it's right. not there at all. Well, and now I think because by the time people hear this, it will have been, it's been about a year since Black Lives Matter came to the forefront of everyone's collective consciousness. And it's like now every company has a DNI committee and a statement. And, and I think we're DNI has become this buzzword, but like, and I, I know people know what it means, but like, do they really understand what it means? <laughs> well, no, I don't think they do. And even more so, I don't think they understand what it means when it's absent. Yes. Like, what does it look like when it doesn't exist or it is done in a very performative way that really isn't helping anybody? It is legitimately, let's check the block and say we did it. Yeah. Oh, there's so much here. Can we unpack the performative aspect first? Because I know that's where most of my listener listeners went to. It's like, well, they don't want to be performative. So they're just not going to do anything. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, and, and I'm actually going to backtrack just a bit and I'm going to actually break down when I use the terms diversity, equity, and inclusion, what they mean. And I'm going to make Beautiful. it really short and succinct because I think what happens sometimes is we're not having the conversation. And when we are, we're not having it from a place of shared understanding of what things mean. And so there's a lot of gray area that just leads to misunderstandings, miscommunications, and lack of action. So when I speak about diversity, it is literally variety. It is, you know, diversity of age, race, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, location, like dot, dot, dot. Anything that can make you different from someone else, being able to have those things not only invited in, 
but being centered and advocated for in a way of like, it is good and preferable to be this as well. Um, the equity piece, equity is the vessel that gets us to equality. They're often conflated to mean the same thing. They do not. Equality is the goal of, I can give you two and give you over here two, and we're all good. Equity says, hey, you started off minus four. So giving both of you two will not help. Absolutely. I need to close the gap before yes. I can figure out how to make it equal. And inclusion is the piece that a lot of people get nervous about because they're like, if I don't include people, then I'm doing something wrong. No, inclusion is about including the people that want to be included. I feel very confident in saying anyone that thinks that it was okay and or would have stormed the Capitol and been a part of that insurrection, I'm not speaking to you. Not be, <laughs> right. You know, right. not not because I don't think it's possible to change, you know, people's ideas or to have differences of opinion, but I feel pretty confident in saying we don't really have anything to discuss. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I am including those that want to be included. And so those that don't, I'm not including them. And so right. I think, you know, in, in kind of having that to start with, there's that, but the performative piece comes in when, from a diversity standpoint, I think back to when styled shoots were a big thing. And it's essentially all of these different vendors coming together and creating a photo shoot that was filling the gaps of representation within their imagery on their websites or their marketing materials and watching um, say some people just specifically try to create things to market to demographics that they didn't actively serve or couldn't safely serve. Right. And I use an example of a same sex couple and it's like, so you're going to use, you know, put these two models in here to mimic a same sex couple. And then a same sex couple comes in and it's actually not safe. The verbiage that's in your contracts isn't safe. The verbiage on your website is not inclusive. You don't actually know how to support them and not have them feeling like they're walking on eggshells because this is not comfortable. And this doesn't, it's not actually for me. You just wanted yeah. my money. That's where the yes. performative piece comes in. Or you wanted to be the kind of vendor who, right. you know, and and yeah, I, I think the, the safety part is the part that I think uh, we overlook, much like the inclusion part <laughs> or, or equity versus um, equality. You right. know, I, I think um, as someone who does serve same sex couples, I, you know, this was years ago, but I had that that stumbling block where I was like, well, I'm a safe space. I I'll serve anybody. Welcome. Like, everyone's welcome. And then I did my very first wedding, uh, same sex couple, two grooms. And I reflexively, habitually, just once said bridal party. Right. And they said, Renee, there are no brides here. And oh, Erica, the pit in my stomach. I just went like, oh, oh my God. I'm so, oh my God. I'm so sorry. And I never made that mistake again. But I'm still embarrassed to this day. I mean, this was like back in 2015. I'm still embarrassed that I made that mistake to begin with. And I think um, that's something I hear a lot from my from planners across the country when they're like, Renee, how do I serve different um, you know, sectors of the market? And, you know, the conversation really is how do you become a person who creates a safe haven for those clients? Because anyone can you can serve anyone, but can you serve them well is really the question. Well, there's that, but it's also do you want to, or do you well, feel right. like you're supposed to? Because right, of course. I, I do think that if we think about interracial couples, for example, um, which, which is probably, there's, there, there's probably a little less stigma from the sense that an interracial couple could get married where for years, 
a same-sex couple could not. And even now there's still people that are like, I'm not going to serve you. But the, the, the difference is, is if you don't believe in or support interracial couples or interracial couples, I mean, I'm sorry, interfaith couples Mm -hmm. or uh, somebody that's on their second marriage, somebody that's got kids, name the thing, whatever the thing is, you're not getting married in a white dress, whatever that is. If it's not something that you believe in or support, then you shouldn't seek to advocate to support them because that is a huge conflict that is going to at some point rear its head. So if you don't believe in it, and you don't actively think that they should be able to have access to it, then simply just don't do it. However, don't be an ass about it. Like like there's a, there's a difference, (laughs) right? Because, because I, I I do feel like if, if it's not something that you want to do, it's going to come through if it's disingenuous. Of course. Yeah. So I, I don't think now, and I'm not saying this because I'm advocating for people to, um, to not serve people just because I just don't like you. But I also don't want you to serve me when you know you really don't. You don't support me. You don't want to see me happy. You don't bless right. my union. Or, you know what <laughs> right, I mean? Like, right, right, right. no, I just won't give you my money. Right. Well, and I think that's also the point too, is that, and I say this all, all the time in many different topics, it's like as small business owners, we have the ability to do what we want with our revenue. And um, I'm very clear as to what my business supports and who we donate money to. And it's on the website and I talk about it all the time, but also it's very clear that when my couples are shopping for a planner, like they're kind of voting with their dollars here and we all have that power. So just as I'm not going to support someone that has completely different political ideals than I do, you know, someone who donates heavily to the Republican party, isn't probably someone who's going to hire me anyway. I think yes. you need yes. to know where people align, you know, and, authentically. And, and that's, and that's my thing because I don't advocate for businesses to exclude people, but right. I also don't want to see you trying to include people that you really don't support because you're afraid of being canceled or you're afraid of getting in <laughs> trouble because you don't right. do it. Because again, that is, I mean, that can really go terribly wrong. And so I would much rather you be honest and upfront and allow somebody the choice to to decide, and that's a term I use as well, whether or not to vote with their dollars in choosing mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But I but I think that in being more transparent, people do have more choice and they have the opportunity to know that the people that they're investing in, when it comes to, you know, one of the most pivotal you know, investments and events of their life is going to include people that they want to be with. Like when we would go in, it's like doing the hair and makeup, we were kind of the first point of contact unless they had contact with uh, wedding planners that day. And so we would set the tone for the entire day. And there were some cases where we were the only person, you know, or people that they would come in contact with before actually going to like say I do or take yeah. those pictures right beforehand or, or or seeing their partner and doing a first look. And so if we screwed up, it was <laughs> going to set the tone for everything. And that's why yes. I think it's so important to to know who you're spending uh, time with, who you're going to be intimately involved with, and yeah. whether or not this is going to be the type of energy that you want to walk into your big day with. So when you say that, it makes me think of what I know of your backstory, which is that 
you sort of started in the wedding industry because you found yourself in a non-inclusive work environment. Is that correct? Oh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> you you want to tell us that story? <laughs> I, I absolutely can. So I'm going to say, first of all, I've been in the beauty industry for over 20 years. So I've seen and, and experienced a lot of things. And I've also worn multiple hats within this industry. I remember being an instructor at a Paul Mitchell cosmetology school and seeing the lack of diversity there. So it was definitely not new. Shout out to Paul Mitchell, though, because I got some really cheap haircuts when I was a broke actor, Paul Mitchell. So (laughs) shout out. Shout out to that school. Sorry, I just had to throw that in. (laughs) Well, because the thing was, is that the school itself and, you know, the the, the structure I I liked and I actually really enjoyed. The, The problem was the lack of inclusion and the lack of anybody feeling as though they could speak up and having a platform to make changes. And unfortunately, I saw that happen throughout the industry. And I was working in a spa where I literally was the only black stylist and I made more than half of the revenue. Like I was the highest grossing stylist there. And I repeatedly did not get the support that I needed to be able to best support and to serve my clients from a literal product standpoint. And so I had a friend at that time who, when they started doing weddings, I kind of got pulled in it too. And I began to notice that there was a lot of unspoken things happening. I would notice that, and this is nothing new in salons. Salons, uh, the beauty industry is has been segregated way before I came into it. People go to people that look like them yeah. more often than not. And with weddings, I would see people going to people that look like them. And I would walk into a wedding with, you know, a, 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 a bride that was white and all her bridesmaids were white. And then I use that term because like, this is an example of where like, these were the words you use. So I follow your lead on that. Sure. Um, and no one would want to go first. And I'm like, you know, the it's- bride's already met me. Like I do know what I'm doing. And then after I did the first person and prove myself, it was like, oh, I'm good now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. And I can't tell you how many times those types of things happen. And when I began my own division of silver immersion that did weddings, we always served and supported all of our clients with the same type of, of care and support and, you know, openness that we did from person to person to person. But, and this was before marriage equality was made legal. I remembered having clients that did tell me about the fact that some of the vendors they met with, it didn't work out so well. And some of those experiences weren't so comfortable, but they felt like they had to deal with it. And so for me, I'm like, no, you don't. And that little kind of disruptor part of me was like, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. And so I remember completely changing our contracts to say clients, you know, attendee, um, part, you know, partner, I, I really neutralized the language to not be male or female based because that was, that just was not helpful. But I also noticed that I had staff that knew what my ethics were. And so yeah. there was clarity on that. But I also felt like I want people that are choosing us to also know what this is going to be. So shifting the imagery on the website, shifting the, like when I I remember specifically doing a blog post where I was very, you know, 
upfront about the fact that we support same-sex couples. And I'm like, and if you don't agree with it, kick rocks. Like I <laughs> yeah. literally said kick rocks. And it was because I have been in this industry for so long. And yet to think about people not being able to simply enjoy the basic niceties of their wedding or event or joining insert word here that works for you yeah because of the person that you love i was like oh hell no this is not gonna work yeah. and for me it really was about changing it so that when people came in to want to work with us as a stylist that they were clear on what mattered to us what they had to uphold and if they weren't good with it this wasn't a good fit letting clients know that we would support them and that they didn't have to be uncomfortable with that honestly i'd had times that i had to advocate for them with family members that just mm -hmm. didn't know how to keep their shitty thoughts to themselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, there's always one at least right. yeah and so i noticed that something that was just another lack of diversity and inclusion in, in the industry had just shown up in a way within the wedding side of it that I just couldn't continue on and act as if it was okay. So I took feeling like I was just simply showing up and doing hair and makeup and things to really feeling like it is important to me to create an environment that you can be who you are, how you are, and the way that you want to be, and to know that it's safe to do so with me, knowing that safety sometimes is at a premium, I felt like I couldn't not do that. I'm like, I, I couldn't even wrap my brain around any other alternative to that. Yeah, yeah, and I, God, there's so much good in what you said there. I, I think the, the key thing I want people to hear from really here is that instead of, you know, just saying like oh this this exists and i don't like it i wonder what i can do mm -hmm. you just started making changes in your business right you changed you said like i changed the language i changed the branding i was really forthright in the website and said like like this is my this is my line in the sand right right and oftentimes i think people don't know where to start when they're like well i want to make a change because they do feel compelled they do feel pulled to do to do this work but they don't know how they don't know what to do and i'm like mm -hmm. just start you know one yes. of the things that we did on my website years ago on the home page i had a same-sex couple two brides kissing or like about to kiss and then on the bottom of the page two grooms kissing like very and i asked the couples i said can i use these photos on my web page and they were like sure and it was deliberate deliberate because i wanted people to come to their site and see themselves or see that and go mm, she's not the girl for me if they don't agree move on right. and that in itself like and I remember specifically going and doing some of these, you know, bridal or wedding shows and having people come up and seeing like we would usually have like a, a slideshow showing mm -hmm. photos of the work that we've done and events we've been a part of. And I've had people come and they were like, we already have somebody booked, but I still needed to come and tell you that if we didn't, it would have been you because I've never seen myself featured somewhere like that. And I wanted to say thank you to you. I have had people that are like, I'm not even getting married right now. I'm coming to you because I want you to do my hair and makeup for my boudoir shots. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Thank yes. you. And so that's one thing that like we have members inside of our community, Pause on the Play, that have had these types of conversations about what does it look like being a wedding photographer and to step into my own 
uh, way of having to identify, but then also holding a space for other people that are navigating. What does it look like to do that out loud and being able to find pride and solace and safety and comfort in being who I am out loud. And I think what some people seem to forget about the process that we may be going through in our businesses is that this is something that absolutely affects how people can or cannot live their lives. Right. hundred percent. Which I, I don't necessarily think unless that's your lived experience, you understand. Right. So thank you for putting it so plainly <laughs> because I, I do think that that is the disconnect here for some, for some folks who are, um, not on the fence, but scared, scared of supporting right. in a in a bold way. Mm -hmm. Because you don't you don't know how you don't know what you can do. You don't know what you can't do. You don't know what is appropriating something. And at the end of the day, it that's where you know I talk so much about imperfect allyship because it is being willing yeah. to to start and to try and understanding that at some point you likely will get it wrong and that's okay. You you. You apologize, you make amends, you learn how you can do it differently, and you do just that, and you rinse and repeat, and you keep going. But one of the things that I feel like is the simplest thing that you can do that seems to be the hardest thing for some people to do is to simply be in conversation with people that don't look, live, or love the way that you do so that you can hear their narrative, their experiences, and their stories through their lens. Yes. And, you know, speaking about the imperfect action, I think that's particularly difficult for wedding pros because our entire industry is based on this idea of this perfect day, which I really wish as an industry we'd move away from because it really Please. sets us up for some really, really ridiculous um, expectations, just out, out, the, out of bounds expectations. But, you know, you're going to make mistakes like that. You are and they're going to be messy and you're going to feel bad about it. And it's it's not going to feel perfect at all. And then you dust yourself off and keep going. And like, you know, I had a situation last week that I won't get into the details of, but, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a person of color who felt like um, I, I attempted to help and I didn't. I harmed and right. I had to hear it. You know, I, I was like, I didn't I, I tried to toe the line between like educate me because I don't you don't want to do that, but also like tell me more about how this felt to you. Mm -hmm. And then I had just apo obviously apologize, but then sit with it and say how much of that was conscious and how much was unconscious. And like just because it's unconscious doesn't mean you don't have to apologize for it. Mm -hmm. But also that's the work, right? That's mm -hmm. the work. And it's ongoing. It is. People are so worried about getting to the destination yeah, and there is, yeah. there's no destination, <laughs> there's no destination. Here. no like, it's, it's not like i have gone to the gym 25 times and i am good it's like you know you gotta keep going all right like oh man i wish that were true <laughs> no i put in plenty of plenty of work i'm like dude i really gotta keep going Dang, okay. i know how have i yeah same <laughs> so and and i think that's where people do get hung up because they're yeah. they're really looking to get this seal of approval. Right. <laughs> right. And it's not how it works. And it, it be partially because individuals are not a monolith, nor are they the mouthpiece for an entire group that they happen to belong yeah. to by some intersection of how they identify. Yeah. So, you know, you also have to remember that just because maybe this is okay with one person doesn't mean that it's okay with someone else. And this is where I do find in the wedding industry, we have to really leave that space to allow for people to lead 
And that's where like, I've had same sex couples that would still use, you know, wedding or, or yeah. bride and others that are just like, no, it's partner or, yep. you know, and, and it's, it is different. And I've had people that are like, you know, I have a groomsman and it just so happens a groomsman is, you know, is my brother and I happen to be the bride and, you mm -hmm. know, I've, I've had brides that are like, I'm going to wear a, a red wedding dress. Some are like, we're getting yes. married in the field. We're having pies and nobody's wearing dresses. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so you really have to allow that space for people to language, but to receive what it is like, pick up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Listen, 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 listen to it. Listen, right. I, I had a consult, uh, last week, a cup with a couple who told me that they were, um, attendants in a wedding a few years ago, mm -hmm. they were on the groom's side. So it was a visually this couple, not, not the consult, but the couple whose who wedding they were in visually, they, they appeared to be a heterosexual couple. Turns out they're a queer couple. And I don't think the wedding planner knew that of that wedding. And the wedding planner kept calling these two women dressed in suits, guys. She like grouped them oh. with the guy, you know, like she would say, Hey guys. And the, and the women said, well, we're not guys. Like they pointed it out. And apparently this planner kind of, you know, hand waved them off. Like, yeah, yeah. Be like, I think the way they told me the story was like, they were like in action, like they were going to do something. And she was like, yeah, yeah, come here, come here. And didn't really hear them. And when they relayed the story to me in this moment in time, I was like mouth, you know, jaw open, like, oh gosh. Right. But in that moment I had, you know, I did also have compassion for the wedding planner who seemed to be like not listening in a moment of transition. But then I thought, well, how powerful is this little anecdote to say, like, these women are telling you who they are. You have to listen. Right. And, and that's and honestly, this is where I think it's so important to just kind of audit your language as a whole Oh yeah, to see what is just not the best from a life standpoint. So mm -hmm. guys is one of those that from a, you know, patriarchal standpoint, I just try not to use it period. Yes. And yet at the same time, when you think about it in the context of, you know, a wedding or an event, it's about just saying, Hey, I have a quick question or, um, you know, the two of you, or by the yeah. way, like, I feel like there's so many, email, even if it's, Hey, y'all like go Southern, listen, I'm a girl from Brooklyn, but you, I am as Southern as they come at a wedding. I'm like, y'all look, look up here, look right, <laughs> right. at me. Or I say folks a lot, or I say yes. friends, friends, folks, y'all like, I get real chummy with you right away. But because I'm, again, I'm, I'm a New Yorker guys is part of my like DNA. Mm -hmm. like. That was, I mean, I'm also 44. So like growing up, everyone was guys, but we can't Same. do, it's outdated. We can't do it anymore. Well, but that right there, I think is a big piece of it as well. Because when I started in the wedding industry, I was in my like early to mid twenties. And some of the people that had been in the industry longer at that time, there was kind of this resistance to, well, this is what I've done and it's worked fine. And <laughs> that it's like, what got you here won't get you there. So we need to work on that. Like you're stuck and that's never okay. That is so, my least favorite wedding industry bullshit. Oh, I'm like, well, that's how we always do it. I don't really give a rip. It's 2021. We're doing it a different way now. Sorry. Period. period. Move on. The right. end. So yeah. that whole, like, this is what I've always done. That is, that is your delicate sensibilities coming to have a seat at the table yes. because you don't want to be wrong and you don't want to think that you need to do something different it, and it makes you uncomfortable. So it is so centering and it is mm -hmm. so diminishing to the reality of somebody else. And I'm like, 
Nobody is immune from having moments like that. The problem isn't having the moments. The problem is what do you do when they show up? And do you like to have this moment on a daily basis? 100%. Can we, this is like such a big part of the onion here. Can we talk about centering for a sec? Mm -hmm. Because as a 44 year old white woman, some of the work that I've had to do in the last year, especially is really understanding that like 100% of my lens for my life has been white people centered. Right. Like unknowing, like didn't even know that that was a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that is like the base, the base layer of work, I think. But the more often, especially uh, last week when I had, I had my, my talk, talk with my friend, I just, I just started unpacking it for myself. And I was like, yeah, this is just that centering bullshit again like this thing that i was raised with unbeknownst to me not you know i guess subconsciously about these spaces that we occupy especially the wedding space is very white centered Mm -hmm. what can we do about that (laughs) well and so okay so i'm gonna step back i think that first of all the thing is we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what we've been programmed to believe until we begin to see a kink in it somewhere and i always use the analogy of the matrix like red pill blue pill and once right. you see it you can't unsee it it's like oh hundred oh, percent this is terrible yeah and, and then you see it everywhere right <laughs> yeah and so you know we have so many things that we are uh, at some point consciously beginning to work through it's kind of like going through a bad relationship and realizing you want to do it different the next time right this is the 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 larger scale lifelong piece of that because you begin to see that there are these structures and mindsets that are given to us that support white supremacist culture and a very you know patriarchal way of being and realizing that this only supports a very small subset of of society and i don't want to i don't want to feed into that machine anymore but then you have to also see well what can i do to contribute within an industry that is very young thin white (laughs) heteronormative uh you know focused because you have to first acknowledge that it's a thing and then to realize okay so that means that if you do happen to be any of those things that your lens is always going to favor that because that's your point of reference that's your experience that's been your historical you know frame of 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 reference for all of these things and so once you can start with that you can begin to see where are there places that you can allow someone else to tell the story through their lens to let them set the, the premise or the standard, where can you step aside and allow someone else that maybe is better equipped in certain situations to, to be the focal point. But the only way that it can happen is to recognize that centering yourself and your perspective as the norm versus understanding that there are all kinds of normals and it's allowing everyone's normal to be their normal and that yours is not the only one. Like once that happens and you could begin to see, oh, okay. So the wedding industry has a whole bunch of, let's say subsets of ways that things can go. And you have to understand that they're just as valid and possible. 
once you step back and say, well, what happens when I take myself out of this? What happens when I insert the person that isn't young, that isn't, is, isn't skinny, that isn't tall, that isn't blonde, that isn't, you know, mid to, uh, mid twenties to early thirties is kind of like yeah, the yeah. appropriate place that you're supposed to do this, right. you know, like what <laughs> Which also is like bullshit, but okay. <laughs> it really is. So when you begin to question whether or not the way that it's always been done is the only way that it can be done, you begin to hold space for other possibilities. And the only way that I think you can really break that centering is to understand that to center yourself is to diminish the reality and experiences of someone else. And yeah. so in order to kind of decenter yourself, okay, well, what else am I gonna talk about? Who else am I gonna put front and center? What else am I going to wrap my brain around as a normal for them and understanding that there is a multitude of ways that this can show up with so many nuances and all of them are valid. And I don't know anything about any of them because I don't walk in that body in that life. And that's right. okay. I'm listening. I'm watching. I am paying attention. And in a lot of these time frames, I, I am willing to shut the up because <laughs> I want to listen. It's not about me. And if I keep talking, I can't listen. 100%. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> mic I drop. mean, it, yeah, mic drop. I mean, I, uh, the only guy, the only thing I, I will say, and I think I've said this on a different episode, so this might be a repeat, my dear listeners, is that, you know, as someone in this industry who gets booked to speak on stages, and obviously I have this platform every week, um, Last year, I was uh, I had an organization reach out to me and ask me to be on a panel, and they sent me three different choices of panels, and one was about COVID, and they were like, "This panel is full." I was like, "Okay, well that that's gone," and the other one was um, talking about uh, racial inequality in the wedding industry, and the third one was talking about the LGBTQ experience in the wedding industry, and I wrote back and I said, "I don't think I'm I don't think I'm a good person for this," right. and they kind of responded like su surprise like they kind of said like oh we thought you'd be interested in doing this like these are all of your topics and i was like right but i am not i am a white woman and and there are far better people to speak on either topic like i'll help you promote it but i i think that i don't need a place on this stage and i was the response that i got like it went back and forth several times with them like basically trying to tell me that like i was wrong that <laughs> that oh, like boy. Yeah. And I just said, like, respectfully, no, <laughs> like, right. just no. And that was an interesting moment because it was, I think it was like last August, right? Where, where I thought, well, it's nice that they're having these conversations, but like, I should not be educating on these things. So I also think like, as, as someone in the, in, you know, I just think if you're listening and you're, and you're someone who gets asked to do these things, like, you, you can say, you can always say no and, and also point them to people who'd be more appropriate. I very often tell people when you are choosing what you are going to say yes or no to with where you're going to speak or the things that you're going to participate in, and even the things that you choose to pay to be an, an attendee at, are they aligned with your values? And if your values are allowing people's stories and narratives to be told through their own lens, so it's not co-opted through the lens of someone that doesn't understand it, it is important for it to be 
for the person that can actually say, you know, I understand because this happens to be my lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or if you do participate acknowledging that, like, I am here because I am speaking from the fact of I am the person that supports this community. Here's what I've learned. However, there are a multitude of nuances that I will not have because I don't identify in this way. And I think you have to be clear on when to say yes, when to say no, and why you're saying it. And to very often feel comfortable and confident enough to say, can I recommend somebody that I think would be a better fit? Right. And at this point, I just recommend people, even if no one asks me. <laughs> well, there's that too. I'm like, you, you emailed me. This is what you're going to get. You have to be self-aware enough to understand when you, when it's your turn to have the mic and when it's your turn to pass the mic. Yeah. And right now it's more about passing the mic and amplifying other voices for me. Anyway, I have enough, I have enough attention on me. It's fine. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and you're right. And I think it's important to understand that sometimes just because you belong to um, like it, we're all intersectional. And just yeah. because you maybe belong to one space doesn't mean that you now have a license to speak to all things. I am a black right. woman, but right. I am not a black queer woman. So I can't speak to the queer experience. And I am not going to dilute the experience or reality of someone that is because I'm going to be like, oh, but I'm black. So it's cool. Mm, no. Right. No, I don't want to be part of the problem of, of co-opting the white supremacist structures through my right. own lens and and doing that absolutely not right and neither one of us can be like well we're women and we get paid less so we're all we're we're marginalized too which isn't untrue it's just true in a very different way i hate when i hear that like let's just lump it all together because it makes it better (laughs) and now we can just play the oppression olympics and see who's is worse oh don't don't do this yeah agreed Oh my gosh. I could talk to you all day. This is amazing, Erica. Um, when you started in your business and, and then you, you know, became more in the wedding industry, like we talked about some of the, the things you initially did. Can you give us some just examples of like uh, maybe big, not bigger things. I don't want to quantify it that way, but like you started with changing your website and then what did you do once that was done? So I'm, I'm thinking about people listening who are like, yeah, yeah, my website's good. What else? <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, obviously, even when you think about your website, I think there's the verbiage that's being used. I think there's the reviews that are being used. Uh, I think it's the vendors uh, that you are are referring or the list that you're on. I think it's the imagery that's being used on any types of printed materials or online. I think it is where you choose to advertise. I think it is, again, the shows or events that you choose to participate in, which so much of that isn't as much of a thing right now mm-hmm. um, because of, of COVID. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you know, there are still, you know, there are still things online, so it does still show up. Um, I think it is the people that you network with. So if you are uh, participating in events, who is it that you are networking with? Who do you send people to when you're booked? Who's sending people to you? Who's in your circle? Who are you taking in information from? Who are you learning from as a hairstylist? Are you only taking in information that is going to teach you how to do, you know, straight, white, you know, hair and extensions and that's it? Or are you learning to do textured hair? Are you learning to be able to do makeup for different skin tones, types, and, and, and hair textures and all of these things. So I feel like it's also shifting the people that you service. Yeah. Um, 
and it it really is being open enough to hear what's happening in the industry and where you need to pay attention to make sure that like as different things come up because awareness constantly changes and so if you're going with again the antiquated information like are you paying attention to what it is now yeah agreed and you know that's an interesting thing too as as we come out of COVID, as we evolve as an industry hopefully it's like you know organizations that you supported you know yes they probably posted a black square last june what are they doing now how have oh, they have have oh. they oh don't even get me started on the black square i can't oh, it'd be a whole other episode square. i was gonna do a whole episode it's just like fuck the black square you guys i can't i can't please do, the black do. Square. i have i had a, a an instagram live i did that day and with within less than 12 hours it had over ten thousand views because i lit that thing up i was so angry I was so hot. I was hot as a hornet's nest. Well, it was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I'll, and I'll say this as someone who, as my job, vets vendors for my clients. Um, on occasion, I have clients come to me and they'll say, oh, I found this photographer on Instagram. I want to meet with them. And I really don't love that method. Like I prefer to find the people, but sometimes it happens and I have to go, you know, I have to vet these people. I have to get them on the phone. And, and mm -hmm. I have to admit, I look at their social media and I go check for the black square. And if I all, if I only see a black square and nothing else, you, they're not getting my vote because mm. uh, listen, if, if that was the wake up call, right. Then what has happened since it has been a year by the time listeners hear this, it will have been almost a year. Like where, uh, show me how you're living your life. Show me how you're running your business. Show me where you're donating your money. Show me who you associate with, who you work with. Like, Absolutely. just show me those things. Don't show me a black square. I don't care about the black square. I mean, no. I do at the at a base level, but I care far more about what you did after that. Well, and that's where, you know, the, the beauty of me now having um, stepped into diversity, equity and inclusion, coaching and consulting, but having um, had previously and still am in the beauty industry, that intersection of what happens when things aren't aligned, like I can clearly see where a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs as a whole, let alone within the wedding industry, have a lot of work to do. And half yeah. the problem is you don't even know. Right. Unfortunately. And so therefore yeah. the people that are seeking vendors and they are, you know, using social media in order to possibly find people because Instagram has given us a, an easy way to have a lookbook, but yeah. You don't know anything about them. You don't know what matters to them. You don't know how they serve as clients. You don't know how it's going to feel to interact with them. You don't know, you know, what it is that they support, what it is that they believe in, what it is that they're against. Like you don't know any of those things. And I do think that nowadays people are less about, oh, it's business. We don't talk about those things, particularly with weddings, because it is much more emotionally based. And for some people, it could literally be the difference in them choosing someone that is aligned with their entire existence and way of life versus mm -hmm. someone that thinks that you are an, an abomination. So it does matter. <laughs> it does matter. hundred percent. It matters. And you know, I, everyone who listens to the show knows I'm a huge proponent for just being as loud as possible with that shit, because I think you have to attract and repel. Your, yep. your potential clients. And so, I mean, we even have, <laughs> I went a little nuts on my Instagram a few months ago because I posted about politics and someone DM'd me saying, I follow you for pretty wedding photos, not politics. And I was like, that's it. Mm. Like, <laughs> you're in nope. the wrong account. Yeah. I, that's what basically what I said. And then I was like, and I'm donating a hundred dollars to the ACLU in your name. Like I went to it. I took <laughs> I it love to, you. 
I took it to another place because I was just in a state. It was pre-election. I was very keyed up. I can't really say more than that. But um, I really believe in being super loud about it. And I know not everyone believes that and not everyone feels um, safety to do that. Like, I understand that my privilege allows me the safety to be loud. I totally get it. Um, But also, I kind of am loud because I want other people to see that you can be loud and still safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has to begin the modeling of it. And it's literally just start, start imperfectly, but start with one thing, have a conversation, follow a different account, you know, just begin to shift what you've been doing in order to create a new normal. Well, that's it, Erica. That's that. That's it. We're going to drop another mic. We're going to break another mic because that's that's all we can do. Right. I mean, listen, we know a 45 minute podcast episode isn't going to change your whole business. But the reason that we're here talking about this and we're continuing this, I mean, we're always continuing this talk is that the work isn't over. It's never going to be over. And Mm -hmm. you can do it imperfectly and you can fall on your face and you can have hard conversations. And like Glennon Doyle says, we can all do hard things. Yeah. You just, you just have to be willing to start. Yes. Where can everyone find you on the internet? Speaking of a new person to follow. (laughs) I would love to have people come to me so that we can do the diversity, equity, and inclusion audit type of work that is going to support the places that you want to go and the people that you want to support. So you can come on over to Erica Corday. Dot com. I am the same on Instagram at Erica Corday. Or if you want to learn more about my podcast, where I do go into diversity, equity, and inclusion with my co-host India Jackson of Haunt Your Fire, you can come on over to pauseontheplay.com. And the same is our Instagram at pauseontheplay. In both of those places, you can learn about the work that we do in our community where we dig into where visibility and mindset meet through the lens of DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion. Love it. I love all the things you just said. You know, we're, we're huge on mindset around here, like huge. It's like the key to everything. People miss how important it is. And it's like, yes, the word is overused and yeah, get on that. Well, they think it's a soft skill, but really it's some, it's, it's a major, like major mental work. And it's, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, uh, to me, the, the mindset is the real work of entrepreneurship because you Mm -hmm. have to know yourself so well and control your thoughts in a way that lets you, allows you to be, for me at least, like a highly achieving, um, highly productive human. People are afraid of that because the more that they know, the less they can have plausible deniability on things. So Mm. that's a whole piece in itself. Listen, we have to do another show. (laughs) I have no problem talking. I love to talk. So I'm like, me too. Do it. I love this. Erica, thank you so much for being here. You've just given us so much to think about and do and become and so much like really good work to to sink our teeth into. So thank you again. Thank you for having me, Renee. Thank you everyone for listening. Anytime, anytime. Friends, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say thank you for spending your time with us because I know your time is valuable and I know that you don't take where you spend your time lightly. So I'm glad you spent it with us this week. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.